Bizzle. We call the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to my official. And unless there's a new major trailer or spoiler leak, probably my only major Avengers prediction podcast. Now, normally I do my predictions over the course of months or years. I started my podcast back in early 2015. I'm about to hit my fourth anniversary um, based uh, somewhat on the return of Star Wars. This was months before The Force Awakens, but mostly on loving Captain America, the Winter Soldier, 2014, loving Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014. I did also love X-Men Days of Future Past in 2014, but that wasn't the MCU. Um, so that didn't figure in that heavily, even though I am an X-Men guy and grew up with the X-Men. So Steve Rogers winning my heart and the fact that Marvel was able to uh, pull off cosmic vision on the level of Guardians of the Galaxy definitely figured into me getting on board. Now, I saw the original Iron Man in theaters, uh, the origin stories for Thor and Cap I didn't see until much later. Even the Avengers, as far as I remember, I did not see in theaters. Now, there were some health and personal reasons why that probably happened, but I, I love just Joss Whedon, you guys know if you've listened to me before that I worship the ground that Whedon uh, walks on. Um, I, I love Buffy and some of the other properties, mostly because of Firefly, the Firefly movie Serenity, uh, the online musical uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, and a number of other things. He also went to my college university, uh, Wesleyan, up in Connecticut, and so I was very familiar with him, but I just love his sense of humor and when I did see the Avengers, you know, when it came on Blu-ray or whatever, if I didn't see it in theaters, you know, I was like, okay, this has Joss written all over it. And I was thrilled they picked Joss. I'm still not sure how he got the job, but thank God he did. But it wasn't until 2014 with Cap and then Guardians that I really started getting on board with the MCU. Uh, and mostly that, but also combined with the late 2014, October 2014, I'll never forget the announcement uh, that not only were they doing Black Panther, and not only were they going to take it super seriously from a filmmaking perspective um, and do it justice, but that it was going to be a central part of the MCU going forward in terms of the Avengers side of the MCU, not a side story like Ant-Man or whatever, although they are you know, working Ant-Man into the main story and whatever, being an Avenger, that's fine. And so that was the impetus of my my podcast. I did a ton of Avengers Age of Ultron podcasts at the beginning because I love Avengers Age of Ultron. I remain a defender of that movie and a lover of that movie, although I've gotten sick of defending it because I don't really care at this point if you like it or not. Um, I'm not going to argue that that's better than the original Avengers. Even me, I'm not that stupid. It's like I love The Matrix Reloaded, but I'm not going to argue The Matrix Reloaded was better than The Matrix. But I'm Unfortunately, what happened was once I started my podcast and Avengers Days of Ultron came and went, uh, $1.4 billion, by the way. And if you look at both audience and critic scores of Ultron, they're very high. That was sort of the beginning of a certain uh, hardcore population of nerds turning against certain things that they supposedly love and being super negative about it. That's fine. Uh, but, you know, obviously it got out of control with The Last Jedi and continues to be a smear campaign by certain elements of society and with 
with Captain Marvel. Uh, and if nothing else, Captain Marvel, with all of its money, is going to make probably a billion dollars or close to it. Um, and beating Wonder Woman, which I think is a superior movie and a more important cultural moment, nevertheless, shows the fact that people don't give a shit about the fringe population that uh, you know goes after the thing that they supposedly love before they even see it. There is not much I can do about that. I can only speak from the Star Wars perspective, uh, being someone who grew up on Star Wars way more than Marvel Comics, even though I love Marvel Comics, grew up reading X-Men for the most part. I also read Iron Man growing up and some of the Avengers, but um, there's no question that the Star Wars fan base, the, you know, the rational part of the Star Wars fan base has run off a lot of the haters out of the internet and Star Wars Celebration, which I'm going to in a few weeks, yes, uh, is just full of positivity and excitement for Episode 9, but even more so for the return of the Clone Wars, which we never saw coming, which Cassian Andor Rogue One prequel, which I dreamed about with either Jin and or Cassian is actually happening, the, and, you know, the, the, the Mandalorian with Jon Favreau, directed by everyone from Dave Filoni to Taika Waititi, and I think George Lucas, as well as some Jessica Jones directors, it takes place after Return of the Jedi, and a much cooler Boba Fett character with Mandalorian armor, who's actually Mandalorian. I mean, there's so much to love what's going on with Star Wars, and so, after Age of Ultron, there was Ant-Man, which I really just was apathetic about, even though I love Paul Rudd. Um, you know, it just didn't really hit me. Captain America Civil War, there was some fatigue, because even though I love Deadpool, that was also the year of Batman v Superman, with good guys punching each other the whole time, and so Captain America with even more good guys punching each other the whole time. Both movies thought they were giving a very deep message about, you know, who's a vigilante, who's a superhero, what's the limit of, of, you know, fighting for what you believe in, protecting civilians, blah, 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 you know, was, was not disappointing, but the first half of Civil War with Bucky Cap and the Black Panther chasing each other, I absolutely love. And the second half of the airport battle and then Cap, Bucky, and Iron Man punching each other wasn't really that compelling to me. In fact, I think the scenes with the Black Panther and Baron Zemo at the end of Civil War are much more interesting and compelling than any of the things I just mentioned and just proved what I had been predicting for years since the Black Panther announcement, which I get back to October 2014 with Chadwick Boseman. I was already on board because Chadwick Boseman was the perfect person. My my guy, Sean Gerber from the Marvel Studios News at the time, Marvel Marvel, uh, I'm sorry, Modern Myth Media had actually predicted like a year before that it was going to be Chadwick Boseman. Uh, and it, it was just, you know, the, the reverence with which the announcement was made with Chris Evans and Kevin Feige and Robert Downey Jr. and so forth c- confirmed it. And then when they announced Ryan Coogler, who I was so high on from Fruitvale Station, but especially Creed, which is still one of my favorite movies and I think one of the best mainstream Hollywood movies of all time. And then Michael B. Jordan as the bad guy. And then Lupita Nyong'o as a friend slash love interest slash badass. Um, and even tons of characters that I didn't know were going to be so awesome, like Denai Guerrero's head of the Dora Milaje, and of course Letitia Wright as Shuri, which is like everyone's favorite character, which I never saw coming. I'm not saying I predicted Black Panther would make $1.3 billion, but the fact that it beat Avengers Infinity War domestically um, and completely changed the culture, and for the most part wasn't even bashed by the idiots the way these female-led movies are, uh, is very interesting and just shows how great the movie was and how much people loved it. However, before... Excuse me. 
little distortion here on my headset as I get my microphone repaired. I apologize for some sound issues the last few podcasts because of it. Um, before 2018, last year, with Infinity War and Black Panther, I was sort of off the boat. I didn't like Ant-Man. I really didn't like Doctor Strange. In fact, I listened to my Doctor Strange podcast recently, and I ripped it in Marvel, such a big asshole. Um, now, uh, Doctor Strange, and specifically Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, because of his arc, better American accent, and great writing in Infinity War, won me over. I really didn't like the Spider-Man movie, but I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I really don't like the Iron movies nearly as much as anyone else, including 1 and 3, which people think are great or really good. I think Robert Downey Jr. is best in the Avengers team-up films and the Cap, you know, when he's in Captain America Civil War, you know, those are the best performances. So I love the Avengers movies. I love all the Cap movies. I love Thor 1. Um, I'm on an island with that one, but I continue to think that Thor on Earth and Thor 1 is some of the best stuff they've ever done with Kenneth Branagh directing, but with a Just Whedon-esque sense of humor mixed with the high drama and the Loki relationship and so forth, I think is excellent, despite the major, major, major problems with Thor The Dark World, which is a whole nother discussion. And I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor, but Thor also is written better in the Avengers movies than in his own movies, in my opinion. Even Taika Waititi, who I was absolutely obsessed with as a director after Hunt for the Wilder People, um, I was very disappointed with Ragnarok, I was very disappointed with Guardians of the Galaxy 2 after loving James Gunn in Guardian, directing Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Now, I'm thrilled that Disney begged, it seems, James Gunn to come back after they summarily fired him for very suspect reasons, which I won't talk about here. You guys probably know about it. And the fact that he accepted the invitation back and is going to be directing Guardians 3 shows that Disney can change its mind about bad decisions, which we have to give them credit for. We also have to give Disney... Credit in terms of its actors, and the fact that everyone from Chris Pratt to Zoe Saldana and definitely Dave Batista, really the whole Guardians crew that's active on the internet. Um, Bradley Cooper's not really active on the internet, neither is Karen Gillan and so forth. The main three or four are very active and were very openly upset about the firing of James Gunn. So it seems like the actors, including Tessa Thompson, um, you know, who's only Valkyrie in part of the Thor movie, but was great and is like one of the best upcoming actors, you know, that's out there. Um, is very outspoken online, both in terms of movie issues, women's issues, and political issues. It's clear that the actors have crossed uh, over a line. Uh, Mark Ruffalo and Chris Evans constantly ripping Trump and talking about how we need to protect minorities and Jews and Muslims and so forth in this country. I don't know if Disney is just unable to contain its lead directors and actors, or they're okay with it from a liberal political standpoint, but it's happening either way. Chris Evans has not let up. Mark Ruffalo has not let up. Tessa Thompson has not let up. Even people who have done work for Disney aren't central people in Marvel, like Ava DuVernay, but are very respected, very much speaking up on these issues. And, you know, other than Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins, who are very outspoken with the Wonder Woman project, and that's great, it's mostly been from Marvel and Disney, so I have to give them credit for that. And I think James Gunn's actually going to nail Guardians 3, especially post-Infinity War. He has so much stuff to work with from the Avengers universe that's not just Peter Quill being a whiny little bitch with his dad played okay by Kurt Russell in a movie where the best parts were Gamora and Nebula, um, although at the time, while 
I love Gomorrah and Nebula. I, I, I couldn't have foreseen that it would be so key in terms of, spoiler alert, starting now, Infinity War, Gamora being killed by her adoptive dad, Thanos, and Nebula now being on a psychotic rage to protect her sister, who she used to hate, but now she hates Thanos even way more. The torture that they, they all went through because of Thanos. And in the comics, spoiler alert, uh, uh, Nebula wields the inf- Infinity Gauntlet and kills Thanos, or gets a good shot at him, I believe, uh, is, and rockets in it, and, you know, they're mixing in Ant-Man. It's a really good mix of characters with the Avengers, uh, the original six in Avengers Endgame, which is Avengers 4, and the end of an era. It's the end of Phase 3. Um, and so basically what I was saying before, and I'm going to get into Avengers 4 Endgame predictions, I'll just call it Endgame from now on, um, or Avengers, uh, is that I really did not love... Uh, Phase 3, as you can tell. Thor Ragnarok and Guardians 2 were both huge disappointments for me in terms of humor and writing and dramatic stuff. But they both had their moments and they both pushed stuff forward. And even Ant-Man now, I think we're going to see stuff pay off. The Nebula stuff from Guardians we're going to see pay off. We're definitely going to see Captain Marvel um, pay off. And just quick side note, I ripped Captain Marvel the movie pretty big time uh, in my Bizzlecast. And what's interesting is... I was very skeptical about Brie Larson as Captain Marvel just because I didn't seen much from Brie Larson that I really liked uh, uh, in the past. So I just wasn't that familiar, and, and she didn't jump out at me as like a super charismatic character. And I had read the Captain Marvel comics, and she's very charismatic and effusive and emotional and so forth in the comics. Didn't seem like they were doing that in the movie. And to be honest, they didn't let Brie Larson go full Brie Larson. She was by far the best part of the movie. As much as I love Sammy J., he was like manic and acting weird as a young Sammy J, de-aged, overcompensating. There wasn't nearly enough Coulson, who was great in his like two minutes in the movie. I was hoping there was going to be way more Coulson and Fury in the movie. I love Ben Mendelsohn as a villain. Didn't turn out to be a villain, but he was Krennic in Rogue One, one of my favorite movies, my favorite Star Wars movie. He didn't get much to do. It was just a hot mess. However, the early action scenes with Jude Law, but especially the sort of Wonder Woman reveal, as I've been calling it, of, of Captain Marvel reaching her full powers in the last 20 minutes and an excellent, excellent action set piece that far uh, exceeded both Thor Ragnarok and Guardians 2 uh, in terms of both effects and just excitement. Excitement and just seeing her reach her full power, even if we don't know how she got her powers, bothers me less because I'm familiar with the comics, but I know that it confused people, even who love the movie, which is most people. Nevertheless, we needed to see Captain Marvel reach full power because another thing I predicted way back in 2015 was that Captain Marvel was going to have to save the Avengers' ass because I knew even back then that she was going to be probably the last movie before Avengers. She's the most powerful of them. I mean, Thor, Scarlet Witch, and Vision, may he rest in peace at least for now, and Scarlet Witch definitely coming back. Maybe Vision, we'll see, but of the Marvel characters we know, Captain Marvel's among the most powerful, and so the fact that her and Thor are flirting in the Avengers teaser is very appropriate, and I thought Brie Larson nailed it, and I I gave Brie huge props in my podcast, I said I wasn't going to see the movie again, but I definitely am with my dad, um, who hasn't seen it, and I'm but, however, like Thor like I said, and Robert Downey Jr like I said Caps- now, Capsule movies have been excellent you know, even my critiques of Civil War and my critiques of the first Avenger Winter Soldier is still in my top three uh, or I guess five if you count the X-Men movies in the Dark Knight or whatever, put X2 and Dark Knight up there Winter Soldier is right up there, 
Batman has been the best of the solo movies, but he's also, you know, even better in the Avengers movie. Everyone's better in the Avengers movie. You know, when they make Hulk work. No one saw, you know, the Hulk, uh, the, the uh, Ang Lee Hulk, you know, 15 years ago, and the Incredible Hulk the same year as Robert Downey Jr. revolutionized everything in 2008, and the Dark Knight revolutionized everything in 2008. With Iron Man and Dark Knight, respectively, Incredible Hulk was very not incredible. But then they recast Ed Norton as Mark Ruffalo. And while I still think Justin Whedon writes him the best by far in the first two Avengers movie, nevertheless, uh, in Infinity War and especially Thor Ragnarok, he was excellent. Um, in fact, the one thing I'll really give Thor Ragnarok is that it pulled off a, an extended Hulk stuff as Hulk but he wasn't dumb, even though he wasn't very good at communicating. Um, but uh, I never thought they'd be able to pull off extended Hulk and his relationship with Valkyrie and Thor having to win back his trust and doing the, the uh, you know, the make, sort of, you know, definitely making fun of the Black Widow. It's getting kind of, you know, what did she say? It's getting kind of dark. It's getting kind of late, big guy. You know, her, her lullaby, you know, the Black Widow lullaby. Almost no one other than me likes the brief romance between Hulk and Black Widow. I think part of that is my love for Age of Ultron, and part of it is I could even sense at the time, you, if you watch that movie and the way he just leaves her at the end to go to space and into Thor Ragnarok, you could tell it wasn't going to last. And now they're finally exploring the never-has-happened Black Widow romance or whatever uh, with Hawkeye, it seems like in the trailers, that people are much more interested in. Um, I'm thrilled with how much more interested in Hawkeye people are than I expected. So, okay, here we go into Avengers Endgame predictions after all of that. Um, my last word on what's come before, other than Black Panther being amazing and glad to be right about that, not because I was right, just because thrilled that people love Black Panther and the new vision of Africa and Africans and so forth, Africa being the superpower and super advanced, because they are super advanced despite their poverty in real life, and countries like Botswana are actually quite wealthy and take care of their people in a socialized way that puts America to shame. And so them channeling all of that was just a just so great and you know but the big thing was infinity war was way better than i, than I expected and i listened i've been listening to i often listen to old podcasts um or even recent podcasts that i a few months later i go back but now i've really been listening to my old podcasts and i i mostly made good predictions um or else they're sort of incomplete like i hated the doctor strange movie but then i liked it more and now i like strange a ton or at least i'm fascinated by him in infinity war um, but the one thing I said that I'm kind of surprised because I love the Winter Soldier, I think I was a little jaded because of some disappointment with Civil War, but mostly because I just felt like it was impossible to work in all the characters. And, and because I, I should say I love Team Cap and Black Panther, the Earth-based stuff, like the X-Men who are mostly Earth-based. I love Team Cap with Widow and Bucky and Falcon and so forth. And I love Black Panther, all mostly Earth-based, even with the advanced technology and the big social and political issues they're dealing with. Nevertheless, Less. The fact that, like, Strange, Spider-Man, Iron Man, a lot of characters that I was either sick of or, you know, wasn't that into, like Spidey and Doctor Strange or even the Guardians, I was disappointed with the Guardians, too, were so great on all levels, dramatic, comedic, and otherwise, in Infinity War. And I just loved Infinity War from beginning to end. I really, really did. Um, I saw it two straight nights, as long and intense as it is, and just loved it. I was even okay with the killing of Gamora, who's, I adore 
was always Valdana. And on paper, I would have been so upset about the killing of her, but it made total sense with the plot. And, you know, knowing comic books, she'll probably come back if she wants to and they want to. Um, I was just so impressed with Infinity War and what the Russos did. And, you know, at the time of Civil War, me and Maddie G uh, and other Bizzlecast contributors actually predicted on numerous podcasts back in 2016 that Civil War was sort of a ramp up in terms of special effects and dealing with so many, uh, you know, good guy characters at once. Um, uh, it was sort of a ramp up to Infinity War in the final Avengers movies, which at the time was Infinity War Part 1 and 2, but essentially the same thing, you know, back-to-back years with the Avengers. Uh, we could sense that it was a ramp up, but they nailed the ramp up in Infinity War much more than I expected. So the predictions that I'm going to make are going to be based almost completely on the Captain America movies, the Avengers movies, a little bit of Thor, uh, not so much Black Panther, um, and uh, I said Infinity War, Cap, um, oh, and Guardians of the Galaxy, and definitely Doctor Strange and the Time Gem. So I did a couple podcasts, about 30, 40 minutes with my buddy Abdiel, and then about an hour or so with Ethan, who's normally a video games contributor, but loves the stuff, loves Star Wars, loves good Marvel movies, before I saw Captain Marvel. And they made a lot of predictions. And then after I saw Captain Marvel, I sort of made fun of myself for not having seen that first before making my predictions, but listening back on those prediction podcasts just based on the Avengers Endgame trailer, which got like 250 million views in a few hours and broke the internet even more than usual. Um, actually, I, I'm still pretty on board with them, although, you know, I obviously have a more nuanced view, having seen Captain Marvel and then the end credits scene in Captain Marvel where she's with the Avengers and then, of course, Captain Marvel with a T with Thor at the end of the Avengers. So here comes my prediction. All right, so a quick recap of the predictions I have made on air so far. Mostly my podcast, like I said, with Ethan and... Sorry, just adjusting my headphones. Um, and Abdiel. Now, Abdiel is a super comics guy, um, both with Star Wars and with Marvel. You know, he... Even though he loves Rogue One and he likes some things about Force Awakens and Last Jedi, he's really a comics guy, although he loves Solo because it was so, you know, such fan service. With Marvel, he's definitely a comics guy. He's much more on board with what I'm about to to break down with you. Ethan didn't buy any of this having to do with time travel or alternate universes. And I admit that I, you know, am a time travel guy. I did predict time travel in Star Wars involving Ahsoka Tano like almost a year before it happened. And even now I have Star Wars fans who argue with me that, you know, pulling Ahsoka from the past into the present or future with Ezra in the world between worlds of the final season of Rebels somehow wasn't time travel because they don't want time travel in their Star Wars are just being silly. It's clearly time travel from the literal definition and the meta definition. Um, and so, you know, I love John Connor and the Terminator time loop stuff. And, you know, I generally like time travel stuff, even in stuff like Memento, where it's not actually time travel, but memories are skewed and mixed up and you're not really sure what time it is. I, I always love that stuff. Christopher Nolan does this really excellently in his films, even if it's not directly time travel. Ryan Johnson did an excellent job with this in Looper and so forth. So I admit my bias with time travel. Um, now, I, I'm not going to admit a bias with alternate universes other than I went through a CW phase where I binged the first like 
four or five seasons of Arrow, the first couple seasons of Flash. Um, I do still really like Supergirl just because of the characters. Melissa Benoist, the Supergirl, and the writing and the cast. But I'm, I'm sort of off the CW train. It's just too corny and predictable for me, even just the camera angles and stuff like that. It's just too popcorny. Nevertheless, through Medi G and through uh, the CW um, and through reading Wonder Woman comics, Justice League comics, and other things, I became familiar with Flashpoint and Earth 1 and 2 and 3 and Earth X and so forth with the CW crossovers. Um, uh, but I couldn't get out of my mind watching the Avengers trailer. And here's where we really dive into it is that, you know, even if you just look at Scarlett Johansson's hair changed so many times as Black Widow in the Avengers, but also the tone. And I'm not talking about the black and white, uh, you know, they were, uh, they were, um, uh, showing us old scenes from the major characters from their movies, you know, for nostalgia, but in black and white with like very dramatic red. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the stuff that came after that. The new scenes where Hawkeye looks totally different, where Black Widow looks totally different, where it's clearly a dystopian future that, yes, could be a part of the post Thanos snap death of so many people. We see Ant-Man seeing the missing persons signs. He's coming back from the quantum zone and all of a sudden his family and everyone's gone. He looks sad and confused and looking at the missing persons and Earth just looks empty and everyone's very sad and confused but also wanting to save the world as usual. They're just... There's different tones to different scenes in the trailer and I don't know why I'm the only one seeing this. Now, a a quick... um, uh, uh, disclaimer, this could totally be the Russo brothers and, you know, uh, Marvel Studios screwing with us, um, you know, to throw us off the trail. And there's definitely going to be some of that because they've really mastered the, uh, or at least they've really come to understand that they can get us super excited about these movies because we're so invested in these characters in this MCU universe at this point, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, that they don't need to show us much in the trailers and god bless them for not showing any major set pieces or anything that i would consider probably the second half of the movie of endgame in the trailer and they definitely could be throwing us off with a lot of stuff nevertheless the the vast difference in the shooting of various scenes in the trailer the difference in the way natasha looks the difference in the way hawkeye looks in different places uh tony looks gone like almost like he's a very different tony stark when we finally see him like people thought he was dead and coming back come on people we know tony stark's going to be in the final movie um and the fact that they show us the death of uh you know they sort of repeat in the black and white footage the death of denai guerrera elizabeth olsen as the scarlet witch and uh anthony mackie as falcon and we know i think all three of those characters are going to be in this movie if not everybody when the end comes uh we definitely denai guerrera is being promoted and i know elizabeth olsen is in this movie and so it was not a coincidence that they showed the death of those three the quote-unquote death which I rolled my eyes at the time because I'm like, come on, people. You really think they're dead? But what's changed since I saw Infinity War and now with the trailer and seeing Captain Marvel, but especially the Avengers trailer and theories that I've heard, I've tried to stay away from some, but I've, I've gotten a couple just to get my mind going. Uh, but most of these theories are ones that I had even before the Avengers trailer, just based on Infinity War, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, a few other things, um, and just thinking about the trajectory of all 
all of this for four years on the podcast. And by the way, thank you all for supporting me for these four years. There's been some ups, there's been some downs, but it's mostly been ups, and I'm thrilled to still be doing this. So... And these theories are mostly mine. Now, there's a Bucky Cap alternate universe theory having to do with Bucky being Captain America in World War II uh, that resolves, or not resolves, but maybe gives satisfaction to some character issues having to do with Peggy Carter and so forth and bringing Bucky at, into the future as Captain America, which we've all speculated being inevitable since we heard about Sebastian Stan's uh, Sebastian Stan. Uh, as Bucky's nine uh, movie contract and it happens in the comics that Bucky becomes Cap and just him coming back in the Winter Soldier and being such a major character in Winter Soldier and then Civil War and then you know an important if small appearance in Infinity War that he's definitely going to become Cap when Cap when Chris Evans is dead or gone or whatever excuse me I have some water here um uh, so I might bring that up at the end because that theory is not mine, but it's very beautiful and it's kind of a tearjerker. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a poetic beauty to, I guess I'll just say it really briefly, which is that Bucky uh, in World War II in an alternate but parallel universe is the one who gets the super serum and becomes Captain America. Um, uh, or that Steve Rogers probably would get the super serum because of the the Peggy attraction as superficial as that seems but Bucky becomes Captain America he's the one that goes into the ice and wakes up in the future with Nick Fury for the Avengers and Cap and Peggy um, or I should say Steve, uh, Steve Rogers and Peggy you know uh, live together post World War II and go into the sunset and that would be very beautiful but we see we hear old Peggy's almost exact lines from the Winter Soldier sounding like old Peggy Carter in the trailer and cap looking extremely sad and depressed holding the casket people think it's bucky sorry guys that's peggy carter i mean we know she's almost dead in the winter soldier and this is the last thing to put cap over the top where he's literally got nothing to, to lose because he went into the ice thinking he was going to die woke up you know 60 70 years later he's been out of time out of place this whole time even though he's the one keeping it all together but the death of Bucky at the uh, the supposed death of Bucky at the end of Winter, um, I'm sorry, of Infinity War, and now the actual death in his timeline of Peggy, it seems, holding the casket. Now he's got nothing to lose. We have to have all the the characters have nothing to lose. You know, Hawkeye, you know, people don't like Hawkeye. You have to blame the writing. Jeremy Renner is spectacular in The Hurt Locker and Wind River as the lead. And the fact that he's, you know, so sweet with his daughter doing the bow and arrow for two seconds. And then you see Hawkeye in the dystopian future or present looking so much older and haggard and depressed when he sees what I think is Black Widow for the first time, whether it's Budapest or not, you know. Uh, the, the line from the Avengers that seemed like a throwaway that everyone's been attached to, and now with the Black Widow movie being announced, maybe including Hawkeye, we really want to see Budapest. But this is the present, and so if he sees Black Widow, like we see in the trailer, he sees Natasha and they're seeing each other for the first time, but then they're holding hands, and then in the final mission, or at least the final mission in the trailer when they're in the Quinjet, and they're kind of being lovey-dovey a little bit, you know, is definitely a retcon, and it's change from the past and this is where i'm going to start is hawkeye and black widow now people the the obsession with black widow's blonde hair and how unhappy people were that she wasn't a redhead in infinity war 
just shows how much people love Black Widow as a character and Scarlett Johansson and the Avengers universe, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general. It just proves how much people love that stuff. But now it's clear that they gave her blonde hair for a specific reason and that we see her with multiple slightly different red hair, very red hair that really stands out in addition to some blonde hair, Scarlett ScarJo in the trailer. It's not a coincidence. They gave her blonde hair because they knew they were going to do alternate branching timelines. And this is the main theory, which is if you've read DC Comics or into the Flash or, you know, you even watch the CW with the Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth 3, Earth X stuff uh, with both the Flash and Supergirl, you know, who's in a different Earth for the most part without the crossovers than the other CW characters. They do meet up, but they are on different Earths. And then there's the brilliant Earth X crossover from a, couple, a year or two ago with the Nazis having taken over the world. And there is a very, very, very strong Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth X feel to the Avengers trailer. And I think there's at least three different tones of the Avengers trailer. Now, the first tone is the, re- the supposed recap of Iron Man, Thor, and Cap, you know, the main big three, uh, with the black and white, with very strong red, um, reminiscent of The Last Jedi, but, you know, specifically putting a heavy black and white filter on with the strong red and Scarlet Witch dying and so forth. You know, people think that's just a recap, but the, the shots that they choose and the way it's framed, even Iron Man in the desert and in the helmet, it feels like an alternate universe. That might just be the camera. The second reality, and that might not be a reality, so that's the Conditional reality one. Now, reality two, Avengers, let's call this uh, um, Earth 2, uh, is the post-snap universe, which we're definitely getting because we saw it at the end of Captain Marvel. This was the one thing I messed up until I saw Captain Marvel's post-credits, uh, although it was already clear with the with the uh, the um, the teaser at the end of the Avengers trailer and Thor and Captain Marvel kind of flirting with each other in their own ways uh, and the way that was shot and then we know that was shot by the Russos and we know the post-credits in Captain Marvel was shot by the Russos who are doing the final Avengers movies and have been doing all the Cap movies um, there's clearly going to be a post-snap world and we're going to have to get explained maybe why the original six were among the survivors now, Thanos said he was going to kill half the planet and or half the universe, but somehow the original six Avengers all survive, um, or at least, let's put it this way. We know Cap, Black Widow, um, uh, we don't see Hawkeye, the Black Panther people all die, the Guardians seem to all die, uh, Iron Man's in space with Nebula, so they don't die. Basically, most of the original six, other than we don't know what's going on with Hawkeye, but if you take into continuity with the trailer, the fact that they juxtapose him with his family looking like from Ultron being happy in the woods to being very haggard and unhappy uh, in the very next shot in the trailer, it seems like he survives and his family does not. So there's some reason why the original six survive. There has to be also reasons why Rocket, Captain Marvel... Um, and uh, Rocket Captain Marvel and Nebula also survive, as well as Rhodey. Now, <laughs> 
I hate to say it, but I think part of the reason Rhodey survives is because they killed all the Black Panther black characters and they need a person of color. But I also think it's fitting that Iron Man would need his buddy from way back. The one guy, you know, even more than Cap, who's on his side when Tony's head is right, is is Rhodey. Uh, James Rhodes' uh, War Machine, played by Don Cheadle. Um, in all the movies since the first one, Terrence Howard played it well, but Don Cheadle is, is Rhodey, and he was great in Ultron, he's been great in the Iron Man movie. So he survives, Nebula survives, I think Nebula survives because she's more machine than woman at this point. She's basically an android with feelings in the human brain, and Rocket's a raccoon, and so he wouldn't be, you know, a normal humanoid or human creature that would be killed by Thanos, so that makes sense to me. Now, we have to jump back to Doctor Strange in the middle end of Avengers Infinity War. Now, Doctor Strange from the very beginning seems to know what's going on. Even when Hulk comes out of nowhere from the Bifrost, out of the first scene where Thanos is killing you know, all of Thor's people on the spaceship, kills Loki, seemingly, kills Heimdall, um, Thor gets away, uh, you know, Thanos thinks he's killed Thor, and then the Guardians fight him when he smacks on the windshield, which was hilarious in the trailers, and even more funny... Uh, with, but also touching and, and dramatic with what comes after that with his relationship with his competitive relationship with Quill, but then Buddy, um, you know, uh, confiding in each other, maturing as people, relationship with Rocket. So they find Thor. They send, you know, Hulk to Earth. He's man- they managed to send Hulk to Earth in the Bifrost, and then Tony gets involved, and there's that initial amazing New York scene with the giant Stargate, and Spider-Man jumps out of the school bus, and it's the initial battle in the Infinity War of many battles that happens all over the galaxy and or universe in Infinity War. Uh, I think Doctor Strange knows from the beginning what's going on, and I want to point out that with Doctor Strange's brilliant uh, time loop torture of really of Dormammu who's you know I don't know if he's a a purely galactic being you know if he's an ancient um or a um I always forget what they're called uh you know the giant ancient creatures we see in Guardians of the Galaxy and some of the cosmic stuff I just call them the ancients um you know Doctor Strange if he can beat Dormammu with an infinite time loop that spans the universe and bends all of reality I don't know why he can't beat Thanos but for some reason he goes into a meditative trance in the middle of Infinity War where, you know, where Tony's there and Spidey's there and a couple other people are there and he's, you can see he's flipping through scenarios and he comes back and he basically, you know, in almost a C-3PO, K-2SO, Star Wars way, he says, you know, there's a, you know, there's 14,300,000 scenarios and only one do we survive. So he knows the scenario where they survive. So he must see that even in the scenario where the good guys win, Thanos' snap is going to happen and crazy shit around Thanos' snap is going to happen. We also have to um, show that Doctor Strange, um, I went back in, in my Doctor Strange review and mentioned how five minutes into Doctor Strange's uh, training or whatever, when he gets the green stone, I literally turned to my dad and go, that's definitely an Infinity Stone, and then they confirm it's Infinity Stone, and then I turned to my dad during the movie and says he's going to meet Thor at some point, and in the post-credits, he meets Thor in a very funny drinking contest scene uh, where he's talking with Thor at the end about Infinity Stones. I was like, that's definitely the time, Jim. 
And while they put up um, in the in the space part where you have Peter Quill and some of the Guardians, um, you know, and Quill goes totally psychotic when he learns Gamora is dead. And you have Iron Man and Spidey and Doctor Strange all fighting Thanos. And while they almost take down Thanos, Peter Quill ruins it because he's a big baby. And Thanos seems to win. And Doctor Strange seems somewhat easily, uh, or I should say... Uh, some, somewhat without pressure, despite their apparent loss, somewhat without pressure, he gives Thanos the infinite, the final Infinity Stone that he needs, other than the Vision's Mind Stone, you know, which is so dramatically removed. Uh, while they're both crying with his love, the Scarlet Witch. The Scarlet Witch is holding off Thanos, and she successfully holds off Thanos for a while and removes the stone to destroy it or, or get rid of the yellow mind gem from Vision. But then Thanos, you know, reverses time with the time stone that Doctor Strange gave up, again, somewhat easily to him. And in that one, the, the Vision dies again, but Thanos gets the, the yellow mind gem to complete the six stones in the infinity gauntlet but then lots of crazy shit happens where thor basically almost kills thanos and he goes through a um uh, a time loop of sorts uh, i don't at that point it's hard to know dr strange's involvement he's not physically there but he did fuck with the time stone because it fucks with thanos thanos looks totally confused he goes in and out of this weird utopia in his brain and then the gauntlet is totally destroyed and if you can't tell that the gauntlet is totally destroyed, the Russos have confirmed that the gauntlet is totally destroyed. Um, now, the stones probably can't be destroyed, but if the gauntlet's destroyed and it's fused with the stones that may have been fucked with, possibly Vision, too, I haven't thought about, fucked with the Mind Stone before giving it up twice, knowing that Thanos was going to get it. He was just trying to comfort his love, the Scarlet Witch. He probably knew Thanos was going to get it as well, just doing the calculation. So he might have fucked with the Mind Stone, which is what puts Thanos in a really bizarre state of mind, where he's in a utopia scenario after killing half of Earth or half the universe or whatever. I guess we'll find out. And then the Time Stone again, which Doctor Strange clearly fucked with. And, and the, the, the explanation is so easy, which is that, you know, having seen 14,300,000 scenarios or whatever it was, Doctor Strange knew <clears throat> that they weren't going to be Thanos in that fight. But the only way to convincingly give Thanos a Time Stone that has been fucked with without Thanos thinking it's been fucked with is to give him the impression that he won that fight and he had no, you know, choice but to save Tony Stark and Spidey and everyone by giving him the Time Stone. So, of course, why not put up a big fight and look like you're dying and you have no other choice? But if you look at the way Doctor Strange gives it to him and look on Doctor Strange's face, it's clear that he had planned on giving Thanos the Time Stone because Thanos was going to get it one way or the other so he might as well funk with it and have an influence on what's going on in the future. So Thanos gets fucked up by Doctor Strange and Thor in very different ways in very different parts of the movie, but when he goes through the portal ends up in some weird utopia where he looks very confused for Thanos and you see the fucked up uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Again, just to stress, the Time Gem has definitely been fucked with by Doctor Strange, and maybe the mind gem uh, with um, uh, 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 Vision, and maybe even the Tesseract, the um, uh, uh, which one is that, the Space the space Stone, or whatever has been inside the Tesseract with Loki, 
Um, and Loki might have even fucked with it as well. We have to assume there's at least a chance that Loki's not dead because we've seen him die and come back to life many times, and he's a master of illusion that could definitely fool at least Thanos. So we've got Thor, who's, you know, a level 10 Omega uh, strength good guy. We've got Doctor Strange, who's definitely a level 10 Omega good guy. We've got Vision, who, although we've not really seen his full powers, manifest in any of the movies other than taking down Ultron in Age of Ultron can be a level 10 Omega, you know, most powerful superhero character. So we got Strange, Thor, Vision, uh, you know, Loki, it's hard to know what his real power level is, but it's still possible that he fucked with shit. We know the Scarlet Witch was holding off Thanos in one of the realities before the snap and everything changed and she supposedly died, so she could have been fucking with it. So there's a lot of, like, level 9 or 10. When I'm saying level 9, when I'm talking about level 1 to 10, it's really an X-Men thing when it comes to Omega-level powers. When you talk about Omega-level powers, you're talking about, like, a 10 out of 10 in terms of being basically a god, and it's not just Thor, it's Strange, and Vision, and Scarlet Witch, and so forth, in terms of either their actual powers, or their potential powers, here and or in the comics. So all of them have been fucking with things, leading to Thanos being in a weird, bizarre land, and the gauntlet being screwed up, and while every, you know, and while half the planet died, including most of our heroes, when they get ashified, as I've been saying... Other than Spidey, who gives the big dramatic speech about being cold and I'm scared, Mr. Stark, that was done for dramatic effect. Almost everyone else looks confused, at least as much as being scared, if not more so. And they look confused and not sure what's going on. It doesn't look like a normal death scene. And again, for dramatic reason, that's partially to reinforce the fact that, you know, they're clearly not dying for good. And we're going to get back to that in a sec. But that it's not a normal death. Now, at the time of seeing that, it seemed to me obvious that all the people who were ashified, which didn't include the, some, you know, most of the original six Avengers and then Nebula and a couple other people, um, it seemed to me that rather than dying, um, because of Doctor Strange fucking with the Time Stone, maybe Vision with the Mind Gem and so forth, maybe Loki with the Space Stone, the space gem, it seems to me more likely, at the time, it seemed to me more likely that they were the ones going into some alternate universe. In that, for dramatic reasons, they were going to reunite the original six Joss Whedon Avengers from Avengers 1 and Avengers 2, and they were going to be in the quote-unquote normal reality, Earth 1, our Earth, and they were going to have to figure a way to uh, defeat Thanos or, con- or force him to bring back all the people who have died. At the time, I, I figured it was the uh, the dead people, the ashified people, who are going to another dimension. And that was the plan from Strange, and maybe other people who fucked with the stones, was that Thanos thinks that he was killing them and then going into his weird little brain utopia or whatever it is. Um, and that the original Avengers and whoever else was left, Ant-Man, Gamora, Rocket, etc., who we saw from the trailers, uh, would, would be the ones that have to go to the alternate dimension or force Thanos to bring them back from the alternate dimension or some other way. That's what I thought at the time. But the theory I've been putting forward is that actually, despite appearances... It's a giant red herring, or at least just trying to throw us off big time. That's actually the perception of the original six and the other people who quote-unquote survived. 
and they're the ones who are entering into a new dimension uh, or a new earth or so forth. Now, we definitely see with the cute little bit with Thor and Carol Danvers at the end of the trailer, and we definitely see at the end of Captain Marvel, where Captain Marvel comes um, when Natasha and company find Fury's little signal, and she comes from the other side of the galaxy or the universe to come help them, which I had predicted a long time ago. I'm not the only one, um, but I'm glad they just showed it, and we see that Carol's going to be the one to not only bring her, you know, Superman level 11 powers to help them and be an awesome pilot with the spaceship now that we see their space suits i don't care that they look like the quantum zone suits for ant-man that's not what's happening they're in a hangar they're definitely walking to a spaceship mass effect style with those suits and going into space that's just a nod to the comics and to throw us off with the colors and the design of the suits people who think they're going to the quantum zone is insane the ant-man movies well well, hardcore fans love paul rudd and ant-man and god bless them even though i'm not a huge fan of the movies i do love paul rudd and the idea of Ant-Man remains cool. Nevertheless, they're not going to rely on the Quantum Zone and Ant-Man to be the thing that powers the final Avengers movies after all these years and all these movies. They're definitely going to space and Captain Marvel's going to be flying the ship and Rocket's going to be very suspicious and angry at her cat, the Flurkin or whatever, with the tentacles, as in the comics. That's going to be absolutely fabulous. That is not a coincidence that they're setting all that up because that's one of the most memorable part of the Kelly Sutakana comic from the last few years with Captain Marvel with, with her flirking cat and Rocket being so suspicious but hanging out with Captain Marvel and them forming a friendship. So Carol Danvers is going to be flying the spaceship and being, you know, Superwoman essentially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Fitting that she's called Captain Marvel. We can argue whether that's more or less uh, literal <laughs> of naming uh, on the nose than Superman. The Ubermensch um uh but uh, you know we, we clearly see natasha with the blonde hair and them all looking for the surviving humans and we see paul rudd you know seeing all the missing person signs and none of the people he loves or knows are there when he comes back from his own quantum zone adventure um so there clearly is in a timeline um in earth one timeline that leads from the original um i'm sorry from the infinity war finale now whether peggy carter dies because she's ashified or whether peggy dies because she has alzheimer's and she's already dying in the winter soldier from five years ago it remains unknown because of the casket and the reaction of cap after he saw all his friends die i think he sees peggy die um again to give him no hope uh, or not no hope but nothing left to lose all of his, you know, true lo- loves, both Peggy and his bromance love with, with Bucky, both gone now. You know, Cap has nothing left to lose to put, go all in, you know, whatever it takes, as they say a million times, which I actually love. You know, Marvel does this great uh, with stuff like whatever it takes, where you want to criticize ever being corny, but because of the amazing actors and the way they film it and the music, you just are on board and getting chills, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I do want to point out that the four people who say what Whatever it takes are four of the six original Avengers, including Tony Stark, Natasha, Clint, aka Hawkeye, and Cap. Thor and 
I mean, it's not it's not surprising that Hulk wouldn't say it because you know he's uh, of the six even more than Hawkeye. I mean, Hulk's been in more way more of the movies than Hawkeye, but in general, you know, Hulk is sort of a side character. They're not really sure what to do with once Whedon left post Age of Ultron and him going to the Ragnarok planet and whatever had its ups and downs. I don't think it's a coincidence that it's Tony, Nat, Clint, and Cap that are the ones that say whatever it takes. And we see all of them looking like they're putting their lives on the line. We don't see any Hulk fighting. We do see Thor, you know, lighting up the axe. I forget what the giant axe is called. Um, you know, um, I'm going to get back to that in a second because people are speculating very heavily based on the comics and the optics that he's on Thanos' weird uh, new planet or utopia or whatever. Um, um, uh, and, and so forth. But it's not a coincidence that the four human characters, let's be honest, Steve Rogers, although he's got amazing strength and, and endurance and, you know, can survive bullet wounds and all sorts of stuff, he's not Thor and he's not even Logan. I mean, you know, you drop an atomic bomb on Logan and, and he still survives. Um, you know, it's only when his healing factor st- uh, starts running out and the adamantium starts poisoning him and Logan that he actually begins to die. Um, a cap is, is not that durable. He's still human. And we, we know Tony, even though he's got the super suit, he's totally human. Nat's totally human. Clint's totally human. Thor is a god. And Hulk might as well be a god since it seems impossible to kill him. In fact, Nat kicks him down, you know, a giant pit in the end of Ultron to, to force him to become the Hulk because he's having trouble getting it up as it were all the penis jokes in the Avengers movies are great I love that they're continuing it Tony makes numerous more penis references or jokes or getting it up jokes in the new Avengers movie and Hulk is having trouble getting it up as it were as the Hulk you know he's running around the Hulk buster suit you guys are so screwed um, uh, he's going to become the Hulk. So he's basically a god. And so I don't think you can permanently kill the Hulk or Thor. You know, Thor can die and be reborn, as we've seen in the comics and as we know from just from uh, Scandinavian mythology, Nordic mythology. But I think it's clear all four human Avengers are going to die in one timeline. So we know with the blonde-haired Nat in the end of Captain Marvel, it's clear that that's the post-snap world that they are living in. But this is a huge misdirect, people. I'm telling you. Um, Nat, uh, or I'm sorry, I should say the Avengers that are there, now Tony's in space, uh, you know, Hulk, whatever, they all, they all come together at some point. We see Hulk with Cap and Natasha, I think, when, when, you know, Steve gives that amazing little bit about, I keep telling people to move on, some do, and with the Cap smile, but not us. We need the Cap smile and confidence and just irrational, stupid, you know, stu- uh, stupid heroism, as I like to say say you know just a rational idiotic uh heroism what you need in these heroes to fight such odds but not us and ready to go and then we see him in the suits walking towards captain marvel's ship i'm i'm positive about that in that in avengers hangar um however natasha um it's hair you know has not just become a talking point in terms of her being blonde in the uh, 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 Avengers Infinity War, but now we see all sorts of red-haired Natasha, uh, you know, in um, uh, uh, the, the Avengers Endgame trailer. And 
Alright, I'm gonna look right here. Here's the official thing. I'm telling everyone they should move on. So Nat, right, is with a very old and unhappy looking Hawkeye. She looks old and unhappy with the braided red hair as they're flying into battle. They kind of hug a little bit. Hawkeye's in the big explosion. Then we see Hawkeye also with changed hair, but that looks like Earth-1. That looks like the uh, Avengers-1, Avengers Age of Ultron, Captain Civil, Captain America Civil War, Infinity War reality up until the end. We see him with a mohawk, which we then don't see till later. Um, and then we see Paul Rudd as Ant-Man uh, looking like Earth-1 reality, the current Avengers reality as we understand it. But then we see Black Widow with the blonde hair, but it's braided, taking target practice. Um, and then... We see the hangar walk, and in addition to confirming that Nebula and Tony get back, and that Ant-Man's with them, and that Rhodey's with them, Scarlett Johansson has extremely red hair in those suits, and the shot is washed out. So there's the Earth-1 scenario, um, I might have mixed this up earlier, which is the post-snap, where they think they've survived, and they have to see if there's any way to bring back the people who are ashified. But then there's the black and white, you know, recaps of the, the early movies with the main characters, with the red, that may or may not be a different reality. That one doesn't really matter. But the washed-out look of anything with a ScarJo with the red hair, including seeing Hawkeye miserable in an urban, dystopian-looking environment where they see, seem to be seeing each other for the first time, but as in all the best time travel slash alternate reality movies and stories, there's a bit of recognition there because, like in Donnie Darko, the way Donnie Darko can sense his tangential reality and the reality that has to happen. Spoiler alert, Donnie Darko has to sacrifice himself by just lying in bed from the very beginning of the movie when the plane part of a plane drops on the house just to restore the normal time period and not have the tangential universe destroy the entire universe. That's why he's called Donnie Darko. Sounds like a superhero, which they comment on. You know, he realized there's no other way to save the people he loves in the entire universe without sacrificing himself by literally just not getting out of bed in the month-long time loop leading up to Halloween or whatever, where his girlfriend's killed and his parents are going to be killed and blah, 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 blah. Um, there is definitely a washed out look that looks sort of partially kind of Zack Snydery, but also very, very Earth 2 and or Earth X from the CW show, which is whenever they go into an alternate reality with each other, the CW characters and the crossovers, especially in the Earth X crossover from a year or two ago, which I did a couple amazing podcasts. Thank you, Alistair and Brick Girl uh, from Nova Stream, where the Nazis have taken over the world and all the Jews are dead and most of the gays are dead and blah, 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 blah. And they're having to fight or at least get back to their reality. And Oliver saves Felicity, who's Jewish. It's very emotional. Very good. That was sort of the end of my CW experience. Experience, but I'm glad I saw it because there is a difference with the filters of the camera and the way it's shot in the Earth X universe, even those characters that we know. And it's important because there's the Earth X Oliver, uh, Green Arrow, and there's a normal Earth Oliver, and blah, 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 with all the characters. 
get a very similar vibe to this. Now, I don't know enough about Flashpoint, but between Alistair Britt and Natty G, who are all giant DC heads, I've gotten a sense of it. I don't think you need to go full Flashpoint. You don't have the Flash to do it. But to have multiple Earths, we've seen, we know it exists in Marvel. It's existed for decades. And the fact that they're doing fan service, like, you know, like this, like the quantum suits, for example, and tons of stuff in the trailer and what we saw in Infinity War, it would be both fan service and super interesting and confuse the audience in a fun and cool way to have multiple realities going at the same time. Now, you could just say that, you know, ScarJo, um, you know, as part of their uh, uh, suiting up or squatting up that we see at the end of the trailer with their awesome, I think, awesome Mass Effect looking uh, uniforms walking towards Captain Marvel's ship to to do their final mission in, you know, Avengers hangar of some sort. We see the A, but it looks different than any Avengers, Avengers hangar that we've seen. It's possible that she just goes back to red to say, you know, I'm, I'm back to the Black Widow. I'm supposed to be. I got to be the person that I am. If I'm going down, I'm going to go down the person that, that, I, that I've been and, and that I should be. And, you know, that her and Hawkeye kind of rediscovering their relationship is all part of the evolution of what goes on. And, guys, I will be the first to admit that that could be what's going on. But if you watch the trailer... Um, with with the the post Thanos snap reality, but then the washed out uh, dystopian reality that we mostly see with Hawkeye and Black Widow. And, and again, I, I, my theory is predicated almost completely on Black Widow and Hawkeye seeing each other again for the first time, if you will, in the dystopian environment. Whether it's New York, whether it's Budapest, it does not look like Budapest. It looks like Korea or Japan or New York in that scene, and they both look very different from anything we've seen and they look very confused seeing each other but also recognition and the holding of the hands and the little cuddling in the in the the quinjet at the end which looks like a different very different quinjet i'm looking at it right now it looks like the blackbird from x-men it's not look like the quinjet and the, the way the Statue of Liberty is framed and with, with that, with Staten Island, the Statue of Liberty looks completely different. Um, to me, just the framing of it, if not the actual thing. Um, and, you know, again, the hair thing could be throwing us all off. Um, and we have to explain who survives and why, but there's definitely a, a filter difference in the shots. I mean, if you look at Tony Stark, his facial hair looks different than we've ever seen. It's a green-yellow filter on Tony Stark where he says whatever it takes. He's the final one. I mean, he looks as haggard and upset as, as we've ever seen Tony before. Almost like he's giving up. We're going to need characters like Cap and Carol Danvers to pick up the depression of the Avengers, including maybe Thor after everything he's seen, even though he's usually a beacon of optimism uh, and confidence. But it looks like the matrix honestly i mean you know the matrix filter is known to be green but what you have to realize is the intense most people would say and i would even agree even though i love some of the matrix sequels the -the over-the-top green was not in the original movie. And actually, for the DVD and Blu-ray release of the original... I guess Blu-ray wasn't around. For the DVD and home video release of the original Matrix, they actually added more green filter to it. Now, if you watch the original Matrix and then you watch the sequels, God bless you if you have the patience for that. I personally love it, but most people hate it. 
even with the added green filter to the original movies, the second and third movie look way more green inside the Matrix and even outside the Matrix than the original does. The original Matrix looks more yellow, like with a noir, black, white, yellow filter over it. Um, and that's exactly what Tony looks like in the shot. He's very gaunt. He's wearing different clothes. His hair looks different. There's like blonde in his hair. His beard looked different. Um, and he looks equally as upset and confused as Hawkeye does in the shot right after his daughter shooting the bow and arrow and his family's in the background and he's all happy and he sees Natasha and he's not really sure what's going on. It looks like on his face. It would be a great way to get a second chance at a Natasha romance that people are more into um, with Clint, you know, with Hawkeye. People always, if there was going to be a Natasha romance, people always wanted her to be with Hawkeye. Whether they vocalize, or say, uh, vocalize that or not, whether they say it openly or not, whether they understand it or not, I think the main reason people hated the banner Natasha romance wasn't just that a lot of people thought they had bad chemistry, it was unnecessary. I mean, there's a million reasons. I personally liked it, but again, I can see it. I think subconsciously or consciously people wanted the Hawkeye-Natasha thing, even though this is a giant retcon. They were completely platonic all through the first Avengers, even though they had affection for each other. In Ultron, she loves his family, gives the kids hugs, she loves the wife. There's no threatening whatsoever. Linda Cardellini as his wife is not threatened by Black Widow whatsoever. So this is a complete retcon for them to have a romance with each other. And just because Hawkeye's family died and him and Black Widow have nothing to lose is not a reason and from either a movie writing standpoint or a dramatic standpoint for them to suddenly fall in love with each other. I'm sorry. This is a total retcon of their relationship and they would never do this to Joss Whedon or the viewers or everyone else involved in it. And so this is where it comes to my amnesia theory. Which is, we're going to see one Avengers, which is definitely post the snap, where they think they're in the main reality, and everyone else is either dead or in another reality, the people who are Ashified. Um, and here comes one speculation I've heard from other people that I, uh, unlike the Bucky Cap Peggy uh, timeline, which I think is very sweet but not going to happen, I think for sure Thor and maybe one or two of the other Omega level, you know, level 10 superheroes, are going to go to Thanos' world and try and force. Thanos to restore things and Thanos is going to say first of all I wouldn't even if I could but I can't because the gauntlet's broken and I've already snapped my fingers and they're already gone um, now if you really want to get metaphysical about death and that it's not the end but really just a journey to another life or another place which 95% of the world believes whether they're openly religious or not people so most people on the planet uh, believe that there is something after death uh, you know whether it's just to comfort themselves or whether they truly believe it is another topic in another podcast but the fact that you know Elizabeth Olsen and Scarlet Witch is ashified looks more confused and uncertain certain rather than scared and you know fearful and that they're going to another dimension it would totally uh, you know jibe with that and it, it makes sense and so they're going to try and force thanos early on you know even right after infinity war even before i think even before infinity war no i know for sure going back to my doctor strange trailer uh review a couple of years ago i predicted that thanos was only going to be the villain in the first avengers movie and there was going to be some other sort of villain in the final Avengers movie because they had to pay off all the Thanos teasing going back to Avengers 1 that Joss Whedon and other people were forced to do, but he's ultimately not that interesting of a villain. 
His theory about killing half the universe to save the other half makes no sense. His motives makes no sense. His killing of Gamora and him not thinking through the future and him then wanting to go to a utopia world where Gamora's alive after he's killed. None of it makes sense. Now, at the time, I thought it was going to be Hela because Kate Blanchett as Hela seemed like she was going to be the embodiment of Lady Death, which was Thanos' weakness, and she ultimately controlled him and that Kate Blanchett was going to be the big bad guy. Kate Blanchett's really off base, and it's not Kate's fault. I love Blanchett, but this is Taika Waititi's father as the director and whoever wrote Ragnarok, maybe it was Taika, <clears throat> making her a laughably incompetent villain who's very powerful as Thor and Loki's sister, but not particularly smart. Definitely seems like that's not going to happen. I suppose she could be reborn as Lady Death or, or you know, resurrected or, or re-envisioned, re-evolved, whatever, as Lady Death, and she could be the big bad guy. I'm in agreement with some of the theories online that there's actually, A, that what I've been saying for years, that Thanos isn't the big bad guy in the final Avengers movie and was just going to in Avengers 3, Infinity War. Um, that, I think, is true. And they're going to try and force him early on to restore things. He's going to say, no, and I can't. And maybe they kill him, maybe they don't, but they're going to believe him. Um, and the, But I also agree with some theories online that there's not going to be a traditional big baddie in this movie and that it's going to be about restoring timelines from multiple different timelines them trying to restore it um the part of that is has to do with just filmmaking and, and and screenwriting which is that you know the reason we love one-dimensional villains like running the accuser and guardians and to degree thanos and even loki and the avengers i mean loki in the thor movies is way more dimensional but if you just see the first avengers loki is an excellent 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 one-dimensional villain that happens to have a relationship with thor but he mostly is just in, in a annoying but devious bad guy that almost turns the avengers on themselves and leads to an alien invasion you know it's because it brings the heroes together but if the destruction of the universe or just the universe being off kilter and whether they're conscious of it or not things being weird not the way they should be whether it's earth one earth two or three i don't know how many earths there's going to be how many uh, how many timelines or how many alternate universes that something is just off that's enough of a big bad guy in itself and yes there's going to be some final battle against somebody but i'm convinced it's going to be more like the chitari in avengers one where it's just a way for the heroes to come together or or ronin in guardians or you know the people that captain marvel's face with captain marvel one-dimensional Villains that mostly are just bringing heroes together. Here, the um, the big bad guy is the wrongness of the universe. Again, using Donnie Darko's uh, the Donnie Darko scenario that there's some circular universes, there's tangential universes across the circular universes, and that some of them sustainable and some of them are unsustainable, and some of them need to be fixed or corrected. I think we're looking at a, a mix of Donnie Darko, the Earth One, Earth Two, Earth Three flashpointness of the CW. Um, and even maybe some John Connor stuff, you know, how does John Connor survive to then send Kyle Reese back into the past to save Sarah Connor so that John Connor is born so that he can become the leader of the future resistance to therefore send Kyle Reese into the past to save Sarah Connor so that John Connor is born to save John Connor. You know where this goes if you think about it too much. So I don't think there's going to be time travel in the traditional sense, but I do think time loops and sort of circular and or tangential universe in Donnie Darko's sense is going to be there. And 
again, even if I'm wrong in interpreting the different color filters and the different Scarlett Johansson's hair colors and styles, but she even looks different in terms of her face. Uh, and Hawkeye looks totally different in terms of his face in those two scenes. Tony looks totally different. Cap's like the only one that looks like Cap. I think it's just because Cap's so grounded. And one of the main reasons I don't believe in the Cap Bucky Peggy scenario is not only is it unrealistic for this, you know, kind of scenario but more so they don't have time for it it would be too convenient and they have too much to going on with the universe ending scenarios to deal with cap ending up with bucky i know everyone wants steve to end up with peggy carter sorry brook girl but it's not going to happen and that's not what this is about and steve doesn't actually need that he doesn't even need peggy's death to do this but you know that's just going to set him over the top in terms of his you know his commitment but but steve rogers is going to be steve rogers in every reality hawkeye not you know hawkeye with a family and hawkeye being a pure cold-blooded assassin the way the way black widow we don't fully trust black let's be honest black widow while she's clearly on the good guy's side and she's brilliant and in thinking about Loki's staff and the way to shut the portal in Avengers 1 and you know in some ways she's the least affected by Loki's magic she's more affected by hulks going crazy and almost killing her um uh, uh, you know, she can go so many different ways. Not until Steve Rogers goes through so many crazy, so much craziness with her in the Winter Soldier, and they become buddies and partners in crime, and are on totally the same level. I mean, she's totally capified by Steve Rogers in the Winter Soldier. That's when she becomes a totally human person who thinks about herself having a future and being a human. And that's why Joss Whedon, post Winter Soldier, wanted to have a romance with Bruce Banner, not because he specifically wanted a romance with Bruce Banner. Maybe that's part of it. But because he wanted to show that Black Widow had turned a corner in the Russo's own Winter Soldier, having worked with Cap and having him turn her for good into being a pure good guy and not just a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, not just a lackey of Nick Fury, but being a true good guy, but a good person who wants to have a future for herself, maybe, and so falls in love with Bruce Banner um, because of his intellect and just goodness as a human being and his honesty. It makes total sense to me that she'd fall in love with Bruce Banner. Whatever. That's another podcast. You can listen to my Ultron podcast from back in the day to talk about why I think that worked and why I liked it personally. I also loved Hawkeye's family. Most people didn't like the farm and the person, but people are going to like the farm much more and people are going to appreciate everything about Hawkeye and Black Widow in general more after this, you know, Whedon is a genius. He's never appreciated till after his time. Firefly wasn't appreciated till after his time. Buffy, I still think, isn't fully appreciated much after its time. Uh, and so the Whedon's Avengers visions, specifically in Ultron, the thing people don't like about Hawkeye and Black Widow, people are going to appreciate much more now. However, as I was about to get to, and I'll try and wrap this thing up, even without this trailer... This trailer got me to think, you know, like my main defense of The Matrix Reloaded and even part of The Matrix Revolutions isn't that they're amazing movies, but that the philosophical parts of those movies take out the action and the cheesy love stuff and the wooden dialogue and some questionable special effects and blah, 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 blah. But at the time, I was just exploring philosophy and religion heavily in college, and those movies got me to think in a way I didn't before. And that's how I feel about the Avengers trailer. Got me to think about this stuff. 
but it was already floating in my mind that the astrification of most of the planet and most of the Avengers from Wakanda and so forth was something else going on other than death. I felt it even at the time. You can hear it in my reviews with Manny G and Alistair at the time. I said, there's something else going on. This isn't death. The, the Spidey being scared, he was the only one, and that was for dramatic purposes. And it, it's, you know, we often see things from Tony Stark's point of view, like at the beginning of Ultron, where he has a vision by this by the time the bad Scarlet Witch gives to him about all the Avengers dying. And we see it from his perspective, and I think we're going to see that shot, actually, or a similar one of Cap and Natasha and all of them dying. I don't know if it's going to be a hallucination, or that's going to be one of the alternate realities, but my guess is, here's my final prediction, going back to Doctor Strange. My guess is, Doctor Strange, the 14,300,000 realities, he knew A, Thanos was going to win, at least temporarily. He was going to get the time stone from Doctor Strange. He was going to get the mind gem from Vision. He was going to do the snap and all sorts of universe changing shit or multiverse, I should say, changing shit was going to happen. And so the best thing he could do was to fuck with the time gem to send Thanos into a delusional world where I think we're going to find him again at the beginning of the new movie. I don't think Thanos is going to be the big bad guy. They're going to try and force him to restore things. He's going to say, I won't and I can't. And that's going to lead to the rest of the movie. And that's what we see Thor with the lightning at the beginning is trying to force Thanos to do what they want. and It's not going to happen. And he fucks with the gem. And in his vision, the original Avengers are the ones that have to save the world again. And this is my amnesia theory, which is that in Earth 2 or Earth 3 or Earth X, whatever you want to call it, using the CW language, the red-headed Scarlett Johansson, the gaunt, blonde-haired, weirdly bearded, weirdly-looking Tony Stark, the very different-looking Hawkeye, who also has multiple different haircuts and, and you know, looks completely different in the city scene where him and ScarJo seem to see each other again for the first time as I've been saying that that the the post-snap world is going to be as much of an alternate universe as whatever happens to the other Avengers character, because we know Denai Guerrera and probably Elizabeth Olsen and a number of the Avengers, if not everybody, are going to appear at some point, so they're not dead. We know they're not dead. They're doing a Scarlet Witch series. I guess it could be a prequel, but they're doing a Scarlet Witch series. You're not going to get rid of your best young actors and everyone from Wakanda. You're not killing Black Panther. We know Black Panther 2 is going to happen, and that's not going to be, you know, that's not going to be a prequel. That's for sure. And so I think the original Avengers, Doctor Strange saw that they had to beat the ones to save the universe and reconcile the multiple universes in possibly some weird time loop. I'm just going to stick with alternate universes for now. And, you know, you can listen to my predictions with Abdiel and Ethan, because I still stand by most of them. But my guess is, in the alternate universe, the original Avengers are going to sort of wake up as if it was a bad dream, the same way at the end of Donnie Darko. I, I think there's tons of Donnie Darko stuff going on. So, after Donnie Darko... Um, spends, you know, the 30 days of his time loop realizing that the only way to save the woman that he loves and the family that he loves and the universe in general is to stay in bed instead of sleepwalking and die and let the engine from the tangential universe fall on him and kill him was the only way to restore the universe because that was supposed to happen. But 
with the amazing music at the end of Donnie Darko, and he dies while he's laughing hysterically like the Joker. I can't wait to see him as Mysterio. Jake Gyllenhaal is a brilliant actor who's very bizarre sweetheart in real life who plays very bizarre roles in movies. He's laughing hysterically, the music's playing, and then Drew Barrymore wakes up, and Noah Wiley makes up, and the guy who's Frank, the scary bunny rabbit, wakes up, and Patrick Swayze wakes up. People who have done good things or bad things are in the middle. Everybody involved in the movie wakes up as if they were in a feverish dream, and you can tell on their faces that they dreamed the alternate reality of the last 30 days that were reset and rebooted by Donnie Darko making the sacrifice, capped off by Mary McDonald who plays his mom and his girlfriend who sees Donnie Darko's mom in the newly set reality restored by Donnie Darko and they wave at each other clearly as if they've seen each other before we it, it's so if, look even if you don't see the director's cut or see the movie a million times and read all the philosophy it's obvious that in Donnie Darko they make it very clear that all the main people and probably everyone in the town has memories of some sort with the sweat on their faces and the fear and that and so forth. They wake up, we see Frank's drawings of the scary bunny rabbit that he makes into a costume that turns out to be the deus ex machina of that whole bit that they remember the weirdness that's going on. And that's what's going to happen in the alternate universe. It, this is my amnesia theory. So Earth 2 is the Avengers uh, waking up, having amnesia about this craziness with Thanos, but also having memories of everything with the MCU up to this point, which they're telegraphing by showing at the beginning of the trailer, them thinking about the Iron Man 1, Thor 1, Cap 1 with the recruitment in World War 2. And they're telegraphing that they're going to have memories of this other life. I mean, Steve Rogers might wake up and not even know that he's Captain America or that he was frozen in ice and was a hero in World War 2. Took the super serum that... I'm convinced Hawkeye and Scarlett Johansson, I'm sorry, and Black Widow don't recognize each other, but they have a feeling that they know each other and that they have a connection. Um, And Doctor Strange saw this somehow, and this is all a deus ex machina. This is a tribute to Joss Whedon's first Avengers, and it doesn't cheapen what's happened in the MCU for the last 11 years to have the Avengers team up again for the first time. And this is the big prediction. I'll leave it for now. I said I was only going to do one prediction podcast, but I've, I've talked so much about certain things. I feel like I'll have to do another one. Excuse me. Um, but in Earth 2... So Earth 1 is blonde Scarlett Johansson in the post-snap, where they're, they're dealing with most of humanity dead or gone, Ant-Man seeing the missing persons, etc., and them dealing with that. Earth 2 is waking up as if from a dream, never having been the Avengers, having weird visions of everything going back to Iron Man 1, which, by the way, the vision talks about in Ultron... Or is it Civil War? And there's Civil War. I think it's Civil War, actually. Ultron makes, the, um, sorry, Vision makes the calculation that Iron Man becoming Iron Man, leading towards with Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. and bringing the Avengers together, uh, it, it, in some ways is what set all the negativity in, in cosmic badness in motion as, 
as Thor says in the original Avengers, when he's describing Loki's plan and the Chitari and the minions of Thanos, that, you know, they realize Earth is ready for a higher form of war. Well, we, if that's true, then we've had the technology to be ready for a higher form of war against aliens for years, if not decades. So it's really about Iron Man and the Avengers that makes them the higher form of war. And that's why all the Avengers are targeted by Hydra at the end of the Winter Soldier. We see Stephen Strange. They mention all sorts of connections to Avengers in the movies or out of the movies. You know, it's as, as I mentioned before, I don't want to go into this, but like Batman, the Dark Knight, and to a certain degree, Dark Knight Rises is specifically that the more advanced and better Batman gets at fighting crime in Gotham, the more advanced the criminals get. And when Batman seems to have locked down all the criminals with the help of the police at the beginning of The Dark Knight, that gives birth to the Joker. Joker would have never been born with his level of chaos and nihilism, destruction, as Alfred says, just wants to see the world born, burn without Batman, you know, bringing a new level of criminal justice but it also leads to a new class of criminal, as the Joker says. And that's exactly what's going on in the entire Avengers series, starting with Iron Man 1. And Vision makes that calculation in Civil War, but he's not aware of it, I guess, at the time, what the real implications are. Going back to Loki and the Chitari, higher form of war versus humanity, etc. And this is the culmination of all of that. And Doctor Strange makes the calculation that Nick Fury was at, was right with the Avengers initiative. And he was right with the people he picked either on purpose or in Thor's case, incidentally, but, you know, they did know Thor from Coulson and, you know, they knew the Loki-Thor connection. So, in you know, Coulson and S.H.I.E.L.D., the good people of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fury and Coulson and so forth, you know, the Avengers initiative, that the original six were meant to be the original six on purpose. And while this is a total deus ex machina in which the dramatic value of all this mirrors what's going on on screen, it's totally fitting that we get an Avengers team up in one of the two universes, okay? I want to make this clear. In one of the two universes, in the red-headed Natasha universe, in the Tony and Hawkeye-looking weird universe, and so forth... Um, that they wouldn't know each other and that the Avengers have to team up under different conditions with different weirdness for the first time and probably never know Doctor Strange's plan, don't even know Doctor Strange or really know what's going on, but somehow put it together by meeting each other again for the first time that there's something's wrong with the universe. And so they are essentially, they are the Donnie Darko that is in Donnie Darko's most of the movie. So they're Donnie Darko after the first two minutes and before the final five minutes when everything is going weird and everything is off and everything is wrong, as I think they use that word wrong um, in Donnie Darko. Um, and he has 30 days leading to the 31st when the world's going to end on Halloween. Uh, his girlfriend dies, blah, 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 blah. You should see the movie if you haven't. You're crazy. you got to see Donnie Darko. It's one of the best and most interesting philosophical movies of all time. And basically, they're living in the Donnie Darko universe where they somehow come to the conclusion at some level, some level of understanding that they, their universe isn't right. And it, it starts with them having memories of this other universe, which is our universe, the Avengers universe, the blonde-haired Black Widow universe, the post-Thanos snap universe. 
But they're also in, in an alternate universe because they have to figure out how to end up back in the same universe as the Ashified people, the Scarlet Witch, and most of the people of Wakanda, and so forth. So I, I'm not sure how to categorize that one. I've been calling that also an alternate universe. That just might be the prime timeline. Um, you know, I have some more to think about with that, and I guess, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to think enough about it before the movie, but, you know, the post-Thanos Snap universe is going to be I think the prime timeline. However, it's, there's two other possibilities, and I'll leave you with this. One possibility is what I've been calling Earth 2, redheaded Natasha, dystopian future, Hawkeye looking weird, Iron Man looking weird, etc. The weird color filter, the yellow, ye- yellow filter, everything looking off from what we normally see. Possibly also including memories of the black and white and red of the past that they're not sure happened. And it's possible that that has actually become the prime timeline and that they find the people in that timeline. And the timeline we've seen this entire time um, of all the MCU movies up to this point becomes the alternate tangential universe that, you know, the Avengers slash Donnie Darko has to reset to be right. But I, the reason I don't think that's going to happen on further thought is that you know, the thing you have to realize with time travel and alternate universes is with the multiverse theory and quantum physics, and we know with Ant-Man leading up to Doctor Strange that there is a multiverse, if not an infinite multiverse, is that every timeline is equally relevant, is equally important, and all the events that the MCU that we've seen in the Avengers that we've come to know and love, whether they're the alternate timeline or the prime timeline, it makes no difference because we don't know what timeline we're in. Now, I think that might be too heady, and it it, it seemed like it would cheapify the last 11 years of movie for what we thought has been the prime timeline the whole time to be the alternate timeline. I'm trying to tell you people that it's equally valid, and it, I think, would be way cooler for what we think at the beginning of Endgame is the alternate timeline to be the prime timeline going forward. But I don't think they will do that just from a a filmmaking perspective. So what I think is going to happen here... Final prediction, movie starts off, post-snap, they come together, they start monitoring the world, Captain Marvel shows up almost immediately, because we know she's going to, and Fury's message to her, and she can travel super fast, so Captain Marvel shows up to give them hope and give them a new force that they need, and I think Captain Marvel and Thor will be the two to go to um, uh, the Thanos world, whatever the fuck that is, try and force Thanos, almost right from the beginning, try and force Thanos to restore things, again he's going to say, I can't, even if I wanted to, which I don't, but I actually actually can't and they're going to believe him whether they kill him torture him whatever they come to believe that he's irrevocably screwed things up and they're going to start but then we are going to immediately somehow either through filmmaking magic or through um some sort of bizarre sequence where they all go unconscious i think if i were making it i would just have them very, 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 very extra depressed, post-threatening Thanos, all go to sleep in the Avengers facility, and then wake up and be the Earth 2 alternate timeline, red-headed Natasha Avengers. That's what I would do, and confuse the audience as confused as they are. The best way to communicate that your characters are completely confused, like in Memento, um, is 
for, for the characters to be confused. Therefore, the audience gets confused. And you're trying to put together a mystery. I mean, how cool would it be if the whole first part of the movie is not just an alternate timeline where the Avengers come together for the first time again, but where they are putting together the mystery of what the fuck is going on and why everything feels off and they have dreams that feel more real than reality um, to talk about the Matrix connection. Um, and we're trying to put it together with them. And I think they're going to sacrifice within the first hour to at least get the prime timeline rebooted. And then we're going to get Elizabeth Olsen and Denai Guerrera and I think Anthony Mackie and a couple other people. And we'll get all the various Avengers that are still alive back together. But I think this, it looks, look, <laughs> when they're walking with the Mass Effect slash quantum suits at the end in the Avengers hangar, looking all serious, toward, but it's still the yellow filter. So I'm telling you that even in, in Scarlet's hair is red there. That's the alternate timeline. And I think Captain Marvel is going to help them in both timelines. And Thor's not there that we see. Hulk's not there that we see. So it's possible it's not Captain Marvel's ship they're going to. I think they're going to go... Either into space, you know what? I might be changing my mind on the quantum zone. It would actually make sense in the first hour of this, what's going to be almost a three-hour movie, I think. It would make sense that they would go into the quantum zone to try and rediscover the prime timeline that is sustainable, that's not a tangential universe that's headed towards self-destruction if they don't sacrifice themselves. And so what we're going to get is all of the Avengers, possibly everyone that's in the suits, including... Tony, Natasha, Clint, Ant-Man, Nebula, Rhodey, and so forth, that they all die going to space and or into the quantum zone, restoring the prime timeline, and then fighting again and dying again. But I think, guys, I hate to say it, I think not only are the human Avengers going to die, a.k.a. Tony Stark, Natasha, and Cap and Clint, I think we're going to die twice because we're going to see them die in Earth 2 alternate timeline and then we're going to see them die again in the prime timeline. But the other possibility is that we get the drama of their death in the alternate timeline. What a sacrifice to say this universe isn't sustainable. So we, we're going to die either way, but we're going we're gonna to beat, beat the, the universe-ending events to the punch and restore prime timeline, which is where we have all these crazy dreams, which are more real than reality, Matrix style. And then we might actually see them not die in the prime timeline because we get the dramatic punch of them dying in the first hour and then some or all of them surviving or something in the second half of the movie or the second hour and a half or whatever you want to call it. And that's the part I don't really know. But I know that Denai Guerrero, Elizabeth Olsen, and most many of the Ashified Avengers and associated friends and colleagues are going to be in it. And we saw them Ashified, and we know they're Ashified in the beginning. And so the thing that, I, you know, I have to have the concession statement here, like with any philosophical theory... The philosophical statement is that in both timelines that I'm describing, it seems like the same people are alive and that it's very possible that the Russos as the directors and the writers, uh, Marcus and McFeely and everyone involved in the production is throwing us off through different haircuts and different looks for the character and different camera filters. And it's, you know, it, it seems too convenient, but... 
I don't think that's the case. I, I think that, again, I think that Doctor Strange saw that the original Avengers, with the help, by the way, of what would be considered new Avengers, like Rocket, like Nebula. Now, look, Cap fighting like crazy at the end of the trailer, Nebula screaming, and, and Rocket fighting on Rhodey's shoulder. They're all in the hangar, right, which would be the alternate timeline, heading to either the quantum zone and or to space. But those shots do look like the modern reality, just very dark and apocalyptic. So it's possible. I I think the true answer to this is that they are in the quantum suits and Ant-Man is going to lead them through the quantum zone into prime timeline. And they're going to go back into quote unquote themselves the way that Wolverine doesn't time travel. This is the big connection. I just listened to my days of future past commentary. I'll leave you with this. Now Wolverine does not get time travel in the traditional sense in Days of Future Past through uh, Ellen Page as um, Kitty Pride's powers with the help of Charles. He goes back into himself in the 70s. And so when he goes back into himself, he is now future Wolverine in the body of 70s Wolverine. He doesn't have any of the adamantium, but the second he gets thrown into the water and the timeline gets restored and changed in Days of Future Past. So there is, I think, a Days of Future Past influence here. Logan wakes up back in the future and Jean's alive and Scott's alive and Professor X is alive. But then the Wolverine that's fall in the that falls in the water is dug up and that's, you know, the Wolverine that we then know from the original movies and in X-Men Apocalypse we see him in the Weapons X facility and he's freed by Jean Grey. It's all very confusing. But the point is, I think we're going to see multiple branching timelines, but unlike with X-Men where it's getting more confusing the more movies we get and it seems like logan could be one timeline it seems like x1 x2 could be one timeline and then x3 last stand where gene dies is a timeline and then you know the x the new x-men team with first class and future past and apocalypse and now dark phoenix is phoenix is another timeline we see that in x-men all the fucking time and now that they have now that disney has that and cable and the x-force team you know they can really play with time travel even more in some ways to make it both crazier but also make some more sense. I actually think the timelines are going to converge here the way the Donnie Darko timelines converge. I mean, that's exactly what... When Donnie Darko is in bed at the end laughing, you know, because he finally knows his purpose and why he's been feeling so off and so weird and having mental problems and so forth, he's laughing hysterically like the Joker is because it's the, it's the first time in a month and maybe even longer than that. I will have to save Donnie Darko speculation, but definitely for that month, as he's been feeling so off, even with the girl, uh, the, the, he finally, when the timelines are converging and the engine, the airport airplane engine falls on him and kills him, and everyone wakes up from a feverish dream. I think there's going to be those two stages here. There's going to be them waking up from the feverish dream in the alternate Earth 2 timeline with redheaded Scarlett Johansson, and then with the quantum zone going to restore themselves into themselves in the prime timeline with blonde Scarlett Johansson and all the Avengers movies and so forth that we've seen up to this point. 
And so actually, the meeting with, with Captain Marvel might actually be later than I'm thinking, but I think the Quantum Zone suits, whether they're going to the Quantum Zone with Ant-Man or into space for some reason, um, uh, with the suits at the end of the Avengers trailer, I actually think that's going to happen fairly early in the movie. And by early, I mean in the first hour, hour 15, in what's looking like a two-hour, 45-minute movie or so. But I would be shocked if there's at least not a tease of time loops and or alternate universes movie because then they would just be throwing us off but they'd also be wasting an opportunity to explore different sides of these characters by having them meet each other again for the first time as i keep saying so rather than keep hammering home this theory which i feel very strongly about but i admit at least 25 to 30 percent is a little half-baked because i'm still putting together all the pieces and i'm not even going to try and predict the entire movie but i feel very strongly there is an alternate timeline and that that's what we're going to see early on in that the quantum zone um, and or some space stuff is going to get them back into the prime timeline and restoring all the people who are ashified and so forth or they all go into they go from earth one blonde scarlett johansson you know prime timeline end of infinity war with the snap into earth two that they send themselves into an alternate reality knowing the plan but then part of the plan is that they were going to wake up and have amnesia and just trust that they'll find each other again because they're the fucking Avengers and that's the point. And then the Earth 3 is them sending themselves with the Quantum Zone into an Earth 3 where they go back into what resembles the Prime timeline, but all the people who were ashified are then back. And I have no idea what the final conflict will be. I have no idea what the if there's going to be another traditional bad game, what that will look like. But if there's not two Earths, maybe three or more, I would be completely shocked because it's totally in line with things that happen on the cosmic level in the comics. It's totally in line with the events of Infinity War and everything that's been up to it and Vision's comics as I talked, uh, Vision's comments as I talked about in Captain America Civil War and Loki, uh, Thor's comments in the first Avenger about higher form of war and how the Avengers, being the Avengers, have set the world on a you know, a path of, yes, having superheroes who are trying to save them, but also on a path of attracting horrible cosmic villains, resulting in the fact that, what, two or three of the stones are on Earth in the beginning of Infinity War? I mean, how convenient is it that, A, they have, you know, both adamantium, but specifically vibranium, a metal that can actually resist, you know, Thanos and cosmic villains. That's pretty convenient. But then the cosmic cube from Cap 1, which becomes the Tesseract, Loki's staff, which becomes the Mind Stone and the Vision, you know, uh, I guess Doctor Strange isn't on Earth when he gets the Time Stone taken away, slash he gives it away, obviously, after he's fucked with it. It's all very convenient. So I don't know if they're going to try and explain all the cosmic weirdness that's been going on in the last 11 years. I don't think that's the point. I think they're going to do multiple branching um, and then converging timelines and or universes because it's fucking cool. It will give us, it will give the main Avengers who we're probably not going to see again other than in prequels and guest appearances for a while, Cap, Hawkeye, uh, 
Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow and so forth, it will give them a chance coming together for the first time and having a whole different set of scenarios, a chance to flex different acting muscles and different relationships with one another. So thank you so much for sticking with me this whole time. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, this, this wasn't just rambling because as I've said, new ideas have been coming to me. I completely dismissed the quantum zone thing, despite the outfits. Now I'm thinking the quantum zone and the stress on, uh, Ant-Man, um, in the trailer. And just the fact that Ant-Man's even involved in the way Ant-Man 2 ended with the quantum zone is actually kind of teasing the fact that they would go into the quantum zone to either return to the prime timeline or restore the prime timeline, or just have all the timelines converge into what will become the normal slash prime universe or timeline. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Bizzlecast. You guys have been awesome. Going to take a break for now and get some sleep. It's super late. Um, but for the moment, I appreciate you joining me. May the force be with you. And the Bizzlecast is out.